This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Great to have you. It's Tuesday, July 21st. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton, like Kylo Ren, is going to finish what he started. So I'm teamed up with a man who, combined with me, hasn't scored 4,604 points. Jason Shepard. Yes. Uh, yesterday on the Twitter, uh, there was a, a tweet from Michael Smith, former BYU basketball Old, legend Michael yeah. Smith, who just happened to meet up with former BYU legend Devin Durant. How about that? At some random car dealership. That's Elder Durant to you. Yes, Elder Durant. Yeah. Uh, and look... Here's my question. They get a picture. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Two legends right there. Yeah. I want to know if they were buying the same type of car. I want to know, too, but this is not free promotion. No, we're said, not going to promote the said, name. Uh, I also you like gotta, the guy in the background who is clearly looking at the camera in the picture, trying to make this a picture of three, not just two. Are you the guy that will do something weird in the background and no. try, try and be funny? No, because no. I 100% am that guy. I'm not that guy because I I, guy. I'm still wondering why people feel the <laughs> need. Why does having a camera put on you equal acting like a fool? Okay, let's flash back to a moment in BYU Sports Nation history. One time they put Spencer and I on the Marriott Center Jumbotron from here. Yes. And we acted like fans suddenly. We it's were like, what, what, Dude, we we're have, on the Jumbotron. What is it? What? We're on TV every day. Why is that a big deal? That's my point. Why is the fact that a know. camera's put on you that you lose all consciousness of right. reality? Rational what what is that? I don't know. We're just conditioned to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that makes me laugh. It's like, why did we... Freak out in that moment. And, so, and why is yeah. the number one, pun intended, reaction to being on a camera doing this? I, I don't you know? know. Number one. I don't know. I don't Only know. one team can do that. I, I've, never under, I've never understood that. The camera on you equals acting a fool. Yeah, maybe that'll be a poll we do. Are you that guy yes. in the background of photos? I literally walked by someone's Zoom call and waved as I walked by engineering this morning. Gosh, I'm that guy. I have problems. I have many problems. Here's what's on the show rundown. Uh, a lot of waving, uh, wagging of the Dikembe Mutombo finger today. Yes. West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez will join us to discuss the delaying of fall sports until September 24th. We'll also ask her about the possibilities with basketball and what's going into that decision. Rumors of potentially conference only starting in January with some leagues. We'll see. Hopefully not, but some leagues. The impact of West Coast Conference Player of the Year, Philip Potrushev, leaving Gonzaga for a poke contract, not in the NBA, but in his uh, home country of Serbia. Plus a top five Tuesday, Pac-12 wins, none of which include Utah, unfortunately, but there have been some <laughs> awesome ones. But first, today's headlines. According to multiple reports, former Utah grad transfer Devontae Henry-Cole, who signed with BYU, has decided to transfer to Utah State. Now, nothing is official, and neither BYU nor Utah State have commented on the reports. Yeah, I've confirmed myself that uh, Utah State's expecting him. So, there multiple reports. This is extremely disappointing because we expected 
some great things from DHC. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up when we're trending further. BYU offensive lineman Chandon Herring is number 26 on Bruce Feldman's top 50 freakiest athletes in college football list. What a great list. I like that. Feldman says at 6'7", Herring is classified as a complete specimen. Bench press 4'10", which is similar to yours. Cleans 380. Slightly. Snatches 285. Clocked a 4940. Chandon Herring is faster than Spencer Linton. Herring started every game last year, and Mateo says he's the freakiest athlete I've ever seen. How about that? It's not bad. I want, I want Spencer and Chandon to race. <laughs> That's a list I want to be on. That's like one of those. You're just wh- freakiest people I know. Okay, I'll yeah. go with that. Former BYU guard TJ Haas is finalizing a deal to play basketball in Poland. According to Sportando, Haas will play for... Treffel Sopot. I don't know why I get these all. Get a jersey. I don't know why I always get the ones where I have to pronounce places in other we, countries we that I save them until you come on the show. I know. Treffel Sopot, who finished sixth in the Polish Basketball League. Now, last year during his senior season, Haas averaged 14 points and six assists. Yeah, I've also confirmed this is happening. So we've confirmed initial reports here. Not Very excited. T- not Tyler. Not Tyler. This is, TJ. This is TJ. The original report actually said that Tyler was signing, and then they corrected themselves and said, sorry, we got the wrong brother. Right. And remember, Tyler <laughs> played in Poland. Yes, he so did. There's yes. There's a connection there. And West Coast Conference player of the year, as mentioned, Philip Patrushev is leaving Gonzaga for a pro, con- pro contract in Serbia, citing uncertainty with the NCAA season. Interesting. The 20-year-old put up 17 points, eight boards a game. He's still eligible for the NBA draft, although he's listed as the 70th best prospect by ESPN. What does this mean for the West Coast Conference race with BYU? We will discuss later in the show. All right, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. As Jason just mentioned, there are multiple reports of Utah grad transfer running back Devontae Henry Cole transferring to Utah State. Uh, As mentioned, I've also confirmed that this is uh, going to happen. Jason, what does this mean for the running backs this season? Well, I mean, it means the BYU lost a potential starting running back. I mean, that's... Right, right up front, that's what it means. By all accounts, DHC was going to have every opportunity to become the lead guy. And I said last week when Blaine Fowler and I were doing the show for, for you and Spencer, if BYU was going to have an every down back, I thought it was going to come down to DHC and Lopini Katoa. So, I mean, and, and I really thought one of those two guys, if they were going to go that route, now sometimes you can still use multiple guys, but if you're going to have an every down guy, I thought it was going to be one of those two. When he signed, we were all excited about his skill set. Not only is he fast and shifty, but he's a physical runner. He's kind of got a little bit of everything. Not to mention, he could be a big-time weapon catching passes out of the backfield. I think that's that would be a part of his game I think BYU would like to utilize. Let's also not bury the lead. It was awesome that a player at the University of Utah chose to leave the University of Utah and come to BYU. That doesn't happen very often, and it, it was just it was kind of a fun story to add. Yeah. Losing DHC is definitely a hit for the running back position. Now, they have lots of guys there. I mentioned Lopini, and, and you have I, – I know Jackson McChesney is a guy that a lot of people are really excited about. Blaine was talking about him on Thursday, how excited he is to see what Jackson McChesney could do, you know, now having even more time being back from his mission to get – you know. The strength back. We already saw the speed. So, so and gets more of the speed. even more of right. the speed. UMass was incredible yes. that performance. Uh, let's see it against you know some Power Five teams potentially. It, right. Let's go. Yeah, it's an interesting question because we never saw DHC in a BYU uniform. But, yeah, we did. He took pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. On the field right. in a game. So everything we were doing, we were we were projecting what we thought. 
So we really don't know, but in what we were projecting, it's definitely a loss. I thought he would be the starter as well. I thought he had a ton of talent. I, th- those highlights against USC, the wiggle, the vision, yeah. the ability to just hit the hole fast, quick. He's a, he's a power five back. BYU has some power five backs, if you will, on this squad. It just was nice to have a senior, hungry, wants to leave his mark, in a contract year, if you will, we talk about NBA players like that. Oh, they're going to play better because they're playing for a con- It's like, oh, they have extra motivation. Sweet. We all need motivation. I'm with you. So, Lopini Katoa, probably your incumbent starter at this point. Sione Finau coming off an ACL tear. Uh, hopefully he's ready for the season. Who looked really good in his playing time last season. Right. Boise State uh, led the way there. Sione Finau still needs to get up to speed in terms of recovery post-surgery. Harvey Yunga came on and said, hopefully he's ready for the start of the season. Perhaps if it's delayed, that's a good news. Jackson McChesney, uh, you mentioned the uh, the upside. He did redshirt last year. I love that four-game redshirt rule, by the way. It's oh, so good. Gosh. It's, it's a game changer. It really awesome. is. And then Tyler Algier was the main guy against Hawaii, moving uh, back from linebacker, back to running back where he was originally. Then you bring in a few new guys. Bruce Garrett made a splash um, in Texas. State championship game ran for 200-plus. Um, he was awesome. And then other guys mentioned Johnny Tapusoa as a fullback. Jackson Kafusi moving from linebacker to uh, probably fullback. And Theo Dawson and Chase uh, Webster, Alec Weibel, Meza among them. So they, there are running backs uh, in the mix uh, for BYU. You just wanted a little bit more depth. DHC had a fun nickname as well. So it's a little disappointing. And it's disappointing that he's going to Utah State. That's right. a team BYU is going to play. Now, Jason Shelley reportedly going to transfer to Utah State. I can't remember if that came out official or not, but that appears to be happening. Uh, DHC got baptized recently, and so it felt like a good story that, oh, he's, he's making a decision to come to BYU. Well, and he Trust talked me, about how, how immediately felt like he was, you know, immediately felt comfortable when he got on campus. So yeah. you thought, okay, this, this is a really good fit on and off the field. So I, I want to know what changed, right? right? And then, uh, you know, rumors that his girlfriend plays soccer at Utah State potentially. So that would make sense. And if he's friends with Shelly, that too. But what changed? Was it that the schedule got off kilter right. with the Big Ten Pac-12 announcement? Because I wouldn't think that well, the that's schedule be at Utah care State of. would be better than BYU's schedule. So it has to be... Perhaps something more than that. But, uh, you know, as soon as he gets out of his, uh, you know, housing contract, apparently in uh, Provo, perhaps he can move on. But th- this, is a, this is a bummer. I, I was excited for DHC, and the fact that he's going to go to Utah State is uh, certainly disappointing. Yeah, I totally agree. Topic number two. Yesterday, Athletic Director Tom Holmo joined BYU Sports Nation for an extended conversation that really touched on a variety of topics, from scheduling to the possibility of playing football in the spring. Now, while Tom did not specifically address playing Alabama, there was a report over the weekend from AL.com, I like to call it AL.com, uh, that BYU and the Crimson Tide are discussing playing each other in week one. So, Jerem, do you actually want to see Alabama on the BYU football schedule this season? Now, the expectation is that I would probably say no, right? Oh, the schedule's too high. Da, da, da. I look at the whole schedule. Right now, BYU has one power five on the schedule. I want three, maybe four, generally in a season. I don't want more than four. BYU wins 40% of those historically. So I say yes, because there's only one on the schedule right now. And I think it'd be fun to go to Alabama. That'd be a game that you know Alabama's going to be on national television. That's an ESPN game for sure if it happens. That's so weird to look at the current schedule and just see seven games. <laughs> it's like there's something missing. Actually, there's a lot of something's missing. Uh, there's five missing. And <laughs> Ver- Missouri is an SEC game. Maybe you play two. Uh, Spencer brought this up the other day. The BYU's only played two SEC teams in a season one time. 
and it was 2017 with LSU and Mississippi State. Yes, I would like to see Alabama. I, I think that's a cool opportunity. Let's see what BYU can do. Uh, still reports there um, you know, from AL.com that, that there's a strong possibility right. that that could be the opener. I think that'd be great. Hopefully it happens, and hopefully the SEC says we will play non-con. It appears that they are going to attempt to do so. I don't believe that the SEC won't play football this fall. I think that that is too big of a not only moneymaker but an emotional and uh, you know socio-economical part of what uh, the southern part of the United States uh, makeup is. So that would be awesome. And I remember the '98 opener and how fun it was. Granted, Alabama wasn't a top five program at the time, but to play Sean Alexander and to play Alabama in in uh, that historic stadium, that that would be a really cool opportunity to open the season. Well, and the SEC, because of the power that it holds and the financial implications that you were talking about, they're not going to make any hasty decision. They're going to wait as long as they feel they can before they make a decision on whatever they're going to do. And, oh, by the way, yeah. they're the most powerful. Absolutely, and that's why you have all of these. It's not just BYU, and I thought that's one of the things Tom brought up yesterday. You know, It's not like it was just Tom trying to make, conversa- or make phone calls to get games scheduled. Everybody else that lost P5 opponents was doing the same thing. So, they, you know, there's a lot of people that are up in the air. A lot of universities are up in the air waiting to see what the SEC does. And right now, they don't have to make a decision. But we will see. But the question is, do you want Alabama on the schedule? Well, yeah, why not? Look, and I, I can't think of a team that you could play that would have more eyes on it than Alabama. Literally whether no one. Whether, Clemson, you, maybe? whether you love them or you hate them, people watch Alabama football. They pay attention to what Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide are doing. If you have a chance to play a team like that to begin the college football season, you absolutely jump at the chance. The mere thought of taking the rivalry game and then everybody upset that you lose it, and then you replace the rivalry game with a potential game against Alabama, that is absolutely unbelievable if that's something that plays out. Selfishly, I, I'm not going to lie. You buried the lead here. Getting an opportunity to interview Nick Saban <laughs> for radio pregame would be a <laughs> would be a uh, a feather in the cap, if you will. Uh, so I'm I certainly... want to see that. I want to see you wear a cap where you could use a feather. I wanna, I, that I that selfishly, I would love to see it because of that. But I, I go back to my guy uh, Kyrus Tonga's tweet last week where he said, "Anyone, anytime, anywhere, playing a team of that caliber doesn't come along every day." Play Bama, see how it plays out. Did he really mean Alabama? Because guess what? Hey, they're anybody, whoever anytime, and anywhere. Smoke, right? Yeah. yeah. Whoever wants to smoke. It's like, listen, Alabama <laughs> wants to smoke, okay? <laughs> I saw a sign that uh, people posted on Twitter of a BYU fan, uh, a student in the Rocks, saying, we want Bama. Yeah. At the time, BYU was, I think, 2-0, playing right. Virginia, undefeated with, you know, junior Taysom Hill. Life was good, you know? Yeah. Do we want Bama competitively? Yeah, let's go. Is BYU going to win that game? Probably not, but let's play. Going into the 09 Oklahoma game, you thought, well, maybe not. The, is this uh, the 20th ranked uh, BYU team going against Alabama? No, but it'd be a fun test to start the season. And, uh, and it's a marquee matchup that yes. you know would get attention. I think I'd like this regularly, but I like it even more in a season where we don't even know if we're going to play. You know what I mean? We're gonna, the, yes. Like, like, why not? It, it, yeah, porque no is sort of the vibe I get uh, going into the season. Not knowing how many games you're going to play, not knowing how many opportunities to make a splash you're yeah. going to get. If you, can, if you can schedule a team like Alabama, 
then you 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 do that absolutely. If I that's wish on you the table. Played this Alabama though, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, like, can you control Sean Alexander a little bit? Future Seahawk going to the Super Bowl. Kevin Federick, right? That dreamy hair. Look at Kevin Federick run for a touchdown. That's how easy it was to score against Alabama back in '98. If yeah, only things have there changed had been one just a bit. I think so. Yeah. And that is our question of the day. Would you actually want to see Alabama on the BYU football schedule this season? Let's get to your responses. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Wayne on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Brizfather on Twitter, one of the BYU superfans. Absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, guaranteed. Yes, yes, yes. Why do you even have to ask? It's July 21st, that's why. Two thumbs up, of course. I think he's on the fence a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure if he uh, wants the game. Uh, Verlin Yout on Facebook. Is BYU Creamery chocolate milk good? Is Steve Young a BYU hero? Is Cosmo the best NCAA mascot ever? The answer to these and the Alabama schedule question is yes. Exposure, entertainment, TV viewing audience, and showing up with the P5. Exposure is certainly a thing there. The danger is that you can get exposed as well, but that's the risk of playing sports. And I would be... Totally okay with that. What I don't want is five or six P5s and you open up with Alabama, and it's the first of four in a row. That's not the kind of schedule. And then you you come out of the first month just completely decimated with injuries. Yes, yes. and too many losses. Right. Yep, I agree. Coming up, the best to wear it includes arguably the most physical BYU basketball player ever. Oh, I like it. And the West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez on the delaying of fall sports and how basketball could potentially be impacted by COVID-19. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The greatest BYU football plays in the words of the greatest BYU football players relive the Miracle Bowl moment. Back to Harleen and Taysom Hill taming Texas, among others. Join us coming up on Friday on BYU Sports Nation for BYU football. Great moments is told by players. Volume number two, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Volume one is on demand if you want to watch it on the BYU TV app as well. I am Jerem Jordan. He is Jason Shepard. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's now our privilege to bring in the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, Gloria Navarez, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Gloria, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. We were just chatting on the break about last time we saw each other was in Vegas at our tournament. It's been a wild ride, and we had this shared experience down there, and then literally the championship game is Tuesday. Uh, Rudy Gobert uh, contracts a positive test, and then whoosh, things uh, start to happen. So what have the last five months been like as you've tried to navigate this with uh, a a major league that's involved in a lot of these conversations with uh, how you navigate this? I think whoosh was a really good adjective. I mean, this has been the most fastest, quick, I mean, quick changing. Everything is happening so rapidly and it just hasn't stopped. But, you know, we're meeting regularly with our presidents, our athletic directors and modeling scenario planning and really just trying to find the best path forward to playing sports in the safest possible way we can. Well, and the most recent news coming out of the conference uh, just happened a couple of days ago. You guys made the decision to push fall sports to September 24th. So nothing would start until that date. Why was that the right decision for the WCC? You know, we looked at many, many different models. September 24th fell on a, on a 
point in time it was consistent for all sports so we could signal to our student athletes some kind of definite answer coming in the future i think that's the hardest thing right now is all the unknowns more questions than answers but it also allowed for the fall sports both soccers and volleyball to um, at least get a season in with some amount of non-conference depending on how technology plays out and i really think you know we're waiting to see what happens with the football seasons because those will precede a lot of our fall sports now um, as well as large batch quick turnaround testing technology and we've had a lot of positive indications that some folks a lot smarter than me are, are out there working on some of that stuff so when you say the role technology will play are you referring to the testing testing yes gotcha um and and the NCA came out with some documentation, and, and perhaps you could clarify, because I know you're way smarter than I am and involved uh, at the NCA level on, on various committees, right? There, there was, there was a, a release saying, yeah, we would like testing to happen every day or every other day. It seems like that is somewhat unreasonable given uh, how expensive it is, and perhaps you're alluding to maybe there are cheaper tests that happen faster, hopefully soon? I think that's what we're all hoping to see soon. But, you know, the NCAA standard is going to be the gold standard. I don't think when you're talking about student-athlete health and wellness, you can do anything less than that. And right now it is a little bit unattainable because if, if you've gone to or had a loved one tested, you you know how long it takes to get results. And, you know, I went down Wednesday just to see what the process was like, and it took me six days to get a test result. So how are we going to test large groups of student-athletes, staff, and support um, 24 hours, 72 hours before contests without that technology? And a follow-up to that, because uh, I, I was around someone that had a positive test uh, you know, a couple months ago. I got tested at the BYU Health Center, and luckily it came back the next day. That was fast, and it was negative, and wow. that was great. But, yeah, how do we – how can we get this regulated? Because certainly California and Oregon and Washington and Utah, the four states that comprise the teams in the league, seven of which in California, there's different governance relative to schools, testing and whatnot. So I guess how are you uh, trying to navigate that with all four states and 10 teams uh, in mind? Well, like you said, you know, it is out of our hands to a large degree because even if an, a geographic area has deemed in phase three or safe for public gatherings, a couple positive tests could quarantine a whole team really quickly. So we're trying to work through all these scenarios in order to preserve the student athlete experience, but also keep everyone safe. So uh, until we can do that, I think, you know, moving the season back to September 24th gives us time to figure that out, to continue to model it. Um, but yeah, I think on the West Coast, we're in a different situation than, than most because of the sheer number of cases that have just continued to happen after the 4th of July weekend. I want to go back to pushing the fall sports to September 24th. And, and you alluded to this just a second ago. In the release, it also said that teams can still play non-conference games, but they can't start before that date and they can't interfere with conference games. How realistic do you think that is for the teams to be able to do that? But also, what, what was the reasoning in adding that in? Is it for postseason to help kind of strengthen schedules? What was the thinking behind it? We want to leave all option open because the WCC 
we're a strong conference. We compete for national titles in just about every single sport. So in addition to the health and safety concerns, it's really important for us not to close the door on the ability to build a resume for NCAA selection. And so until we know where the NCAA champs are going to land, how selection is going to occur, especially if we have abbreviated seasons, I think at this point half the Division I conferences now have either postponed or delayed to some degree. We need signals from the national governing bodies for the different sports on what they will select for NCAA tournaments. And then we can decide what's the best way to build our seasons in this abbreviated format. We're talking with West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez. And you bring up a great point there because at least in college football, which is not run by the NCAA, it's the college football playoff, uh, the Pac-12 and Big Ten are saying, nope, we're going to play conference only. The other leagues are going well, do you qualify for the playoff if we have one? Um, so that's certainly an interesting conversation with the Olympic sports. Um, what, what direction do we go from here in terms of, yes, we've delayed. Hopefully that's the last of it. Um, and, and what are you looking at in terms of where you go from here and what you hope happens so that we can play and ha- can have a, a safe season? Well, as you mentioned, football, big sport, but not governed by the NCAA. And a large portion of the NCAA model and our conference model is based on basketball. The tournament revenue from the CBS contracts that gets distributed through the NCAA plus our own television contracts with regard to men's basketball and our tournament. So in addition to getting fall sports figured out, a a big, big priority for us is ensuring that we can get a basketball season in the safest possible manner. Uh, And as a follow-up to that, um, what are you hearing? What's the discussion like with uh, basketball season, there's conversations of, I guess, the Ivy League, right, pushed it at least January 1st. Um, is, yeah. is that a possibility, a conference-only situation, perhaps after the new year? I think every scenario is on the table. We've been talking regularly with the NCAA. I serve on the Men's Basketball Oversight Committee. We're talking about it. We still have four months to the start of the season. So that's good. Time is our ally in this. And even if we delayed start basketball, we could still have a very robust season if we either compacted it or, you know, um, reduced a couple of weeks here and there. So right now we're in that same uh, decision-making matrix as we were with fall sports about three, four months ago. So time is on our side and all options are on the table. Could we have April madness or May madness? (laughs) I'm happy to have madness. <laughs> as long as there's madness, yeah. Seriously, aren't, aren't we at that point? <laughs> and you're a commissioner. You want to see sports more than anybody, right, um, You know, w- with the athletes. I would take abbreviated or delayed over nothing. D- do you feel the same way? Yeah, again, safety number one. But at this point, you know, I was a college athlete. I, I know the, your identity, your your days, your schedule are so dictated by athletics. I just can't imagine being sheltering at home with this big question mark about what your season will be. So I I really just, I know at this point we have more questions than answers. And the reason we're in the kind of wait and see mode is to keep all options open. But yeah, I would just, I want to see sports played. I want us to be able to tell our student athletes a direction. Um, I'm, I'm about done with COVID. I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> I think we can uh, all, yeah, we all second that, you know, and maybe this falls into another, another question that you just don't have the answer to right now, but where do fans fit into the equation? Is, is it going to be the WCC 
or the individual institutions, and by that you probably mean the regulations in each individual state that will determine whether or not fans can attend these events or not. Yeah, and it will be first the local geographic region and our host, so it's either a campus site in the situation with cross-country or the example of our Las Vegas tournament. We're going to be heavily reliant on talking to the authorities, local health authorities in Las Vegas, as well as the venue. Um, but I do anticipate that if we don't have a vaccine or some kind of, you know, quick turnaround testing, that we'll have to do everything everyone else is doing, either the checkerboard formats, the fewer fans, and, and just, you know, abide by what those local regulations are at the time. We're talking but again, to- it's a long way away. Long way away. We're talking to the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, Gloria Navarez. Uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12 and football said, okay, conference only. And that seems like so they can control who's playing who when. If there is an issue, they could reschedule, and it's not a big deal. Also, of course, testing. They can uh, create protocols within the league. Is that something the West Coast Conference wants to do is, okay, within our membership in conference, these are the standards, perhaps, of testing and when and how often and how we handle this? We've talked about all of it, but, you know, again, football's different, right? Because in the Olympic sports, after we get safety and we can or feel assured we can compete against each other in a safe manner, the question is, what are we competing for? And what kind of season do we have to build? So if we have to include non-conference in order to be viable NCAA selection teams, that's a different model than if we can just play conference only, very similar to the Big Ten football decision, decide within ourselves what our standards are and play. Travel is still a question. We've got some schools that have travel bans. We've got some schools that say if you go out of the bubble that is our campus, you got to quarantine for 14 days before you could come back in. We've got cities and counties saying that. So we still need to have that solved out on a local state level, um, but also still waiting for those indicators from the national office about what we're competing for and toward that will help inform how we think about it. And we'll finish with this. Uh, the league announced that uh, your uh, contract's up with the current location uh, of the league offices, which I've been to uh, a couple years ago. It's a nice space. Um, I guess what, what's the future look like as you are virtual now, but eventually want to be in a different spot? And let us know if you want to look at uh, Silicon Slopes here uh, in Utah as a, as a spot. <laughs> you know, I love the mountains. Um, so our, we were days away from signing a new lease and a new building when the COVID hit. So we just put a pin in that. We've got a staff of 15, and we're all highly functional. We've embraced Zoom. We've got the technology platform set up. And, you know, it just didn't, didn't make sense to sign a new lease in this environment. So we are gone, have gone full virtual as of the end of this month. Just packed up my office this past weekend. And um, we will have a home base. We'll have a temporary office in a company called Regis where, you know, you can stop in at their locations wherever you are. So we have staff members now sheltering kind of all over the country at this point. And then in the future, maybe at the end of the year or maybe a little bit further down the line, we will come back to a permanent office. But this seems like the fiscally responsible and, and safest. We have a we're in the California Bay Area, so we have a lot of folks commute on public transportation, and so it just seemed to make sense to wait it out a little bit longer. And here's to life getting back to normal sooner than later. Amen. Yeah, Gloria, we appreciate the time uh, asking uh, some tough questions as you try and navigate this whole situation. Yes, thank you much for having us, and uh, hopefully we'll get some answers soon. Absolutely.
Gloria Navarez, thanks for joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Gloria is out in front of it, which is great, yeah. uh, answering those questions. And the theme is, hey, all options are on the table. They're looking at various things. Let's be honest. The West Coast Conference, the money maker, the bread maker is men's hoops. Right. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga at the forefront there. BYU St. Mary's right there after. That's a big deal. Men's hoops is the uh, you know priority, but all the sports they compete for national championships, as said. Well, and speaking of men's hoops, coming up is BYU basketball the new favorite to win the West Coast Conference? Ooh, hot take. And who is the best to wear double nickel? We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, once upon a time, we want Bama felt like a joke. But welcome to 2020, where nothing is surprising anymore. Never fear, though, Kiki also shares preseason rankings and watch lists to give a sense of normal around here. You can check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Welcome back. Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard, and Radio Vision Live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. According to multiple reports, former Utah grad transfer Devontae Henry Cole, who signed with BYU, has decided to transfer to Utah State. Now, nothing is official, and neither BYU nor Utah State have commented on the reports. BYU offensive lineman Chandon Herring is number six on Bruce Feldman's top 50 freakiest athletes in college football list. He's 6'7", 3'10", uh, can bench 4'10", runs a 4'9", uh, Eric Mateos, offensive line coach, says he's the freakiest I've ever seen. Men's basketball. Former BYU guard TJ Haas is finalizing a deal to play basketball in Poland. According to Sportando, Haas will play for Trefl Sopot, who finished sixth in the Polish Basketball League. Who? Don't ask me to say it again. Last year, during his senior season in Provo, Haas averaged 14 points and six assists. West Coast Conference Player of the Year, Philip Patrushev, I wish that would have been Yoli Chaz uh, for Player of the Year, <laughs> is leaving Gonzaga for a pro contract in Serbia, citing uncertainty with the NCAA season. 20-year-old put up 17 points and eight rebounds a game last season. He'll still be eligible for the NBA draft, although ESPN has him ranked as the 70th best prospect. Volleyball. BYU women's volleyball team earning the ABCA Team Academic Award for a combined GPA of 3.8. By the way, six players earned a 4-0. 3.8 and six with four. That's incredible. That is, that's like you and I. Combined. Maybe. <laughs> if you added 2.0 plus 2.0. Uh, bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to number 99. Getting ready for the football season, which we don't know when it's going to start. Uh, and determining the best athlete ever to wear each number. Today, we go two numbers. We go double nickel, 55, and 56. Who's 55, Dave? One of my favorite BYU basketball players of all time. And for a very short time, one of my favorite jazz players. Talking about the man, Rafael Araujo. Yes, 2002 through 2004. 15 points per game, 10 rebounds. 57% field goal percentage. The guy, honestly, one of the, if not the most physical BYU basketball player we have ever seen. This is a guy that in 2004 was the Mountain West Conference Cold Player of the Year. First team, all Mountain West Conference. He was the uh, Mountain West Conference Newcomer of the Year in 2003. He was drafted eighth overall in the 24, the 2004 uh, NBA draft by the Toronto Raptors. Had a three-year NBA career, played with the Jazz for a season. I will never forget former head coach Jerry Sloan talking about Hoffa. He said he is the second hardest working player I have ever seen behind Carl Malone. 
That is there high praise from one Jerry Sloan. Went on to uh, play professionally in Brazil, of course, with the Brazilian national team. I only saw Hoffa play one game, then I went on my mission to Brazil. So I kind of missed But was it a great game? It was a great game, wasn't it? I don't really remember. Uh, number 56, Tijon Karoma, the four-year starter at center, only missed one game his entire career. He started every game he played in from 2014 to uh, 2017. Uh, Second-team All-American by Pro Football Focus in 2017. Played two years professionally. He played in the offseason with the Chiefs, tore his ACL during camp, ended up being uh, in the XFL with the Houston Roughnecks for uh, that, that first season, or at least you know last year was hoping to be in the mix this year before the season was canceled. And I think he still has professional football in his career left. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully see that, if not this fall, next year, perhaps if the XFL somehow comes back or somewhere else. I also think he recently got engaged. Oh, Either engaged or married. Oh, that's That's great. what BYU TMZ told me. The former Miss Utah, I believe. Um, it, I'm yeah, trying to remember I, her name. But I, it, yes, I, I, yeah. think, I think that is correct. She played the national anthem, I believe, at a uh, BYU football game. So congratulations. Tijan Karoma, number 56. Rafael Araujo, number 55. So Brazilian names are at the beginning. Mm-hmm. H sound. Hafa. Mm-hmm. Hafa. That's yeah. why it's not Rafa. Yeah. There you go. I, I, I said Hoffa, though, right? No, you did. You're okay, good. I was like, just, did I say I'm it wrong? Teach, just teaching the people. Teaching the peeps. Like, it's not Rio de Janeiro. It's Rio. Well, so 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 he's, he's, he's Brazilian. Yes. You saw one game of his college career, and, and then, then you like, went to Brazil. I will go hang out You're like, I'm so impressed people. by yeah. this young man. I'm going to Brazil am, for two years. Because that was totally my choice where I went. Oh, wait. <laughs> I would have picked Brazil if I had the choice. Go. Coming up, Top 5 Tuesday. And we're going top five Pac-12 wins. And Philip Patrushev leaving Gonzaga. What does this mean for BYU? And the West Coast Conference against Gonzaga will break it down. Hot takes the plenty. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation are Saturdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. It's also on podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. News out of Spokane that Philip Patrushev, the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, is going pro. He's going to Serbia. Still has his NBA options open for the draft, which will move to October this year. Still no news, by the way, with Yoli Childs where he is headed and or Jake Toulson. But we're hearing reports that T.J. Haas will sign in Poland. So that's exciting. So what does this mean for BYU in the West Coast Conference? Do you think BYU has uh, a better shot at winning the regular season and or tournament now? Well, I, I would – I look, you you have a player – how do you say his last name? I say Patr- Patrushev. It's, Patrushev. I say Petrushev. Because I looked on the pronunciation guide of <laughs> You Gonzaga. say Patrushev. I say Petrushev. Yeah, it's all good. You, you lose a player of that caliber – and that can't be good unless you're Gonzaga, who seems to find a replacement player to just slide right into that position yep. and pick up right where the other person left off. The Gonzaga DMs are <laughs> awesome, man. Just Look, transfer city. Here's what I like about BYU's chances. Um, I think it's a different style than what we've seen. I think it is a style that I think can match up well with, BYU, with, with Gonzaga because of BYU's size. BYU, I don't know, has ever had this type of... Uh, could match up size-wise with depth to Gonzaga. And you may even even say BYU has a size advantage in a lot of respects against Gonzaga this year. (sighs) That's a hard one. I I mean, I'm I'm saying maybe. So I I, I think BYU has has a team built with a skill set that can give Gonzaga fits. 
but to to say that they that Gonzaga that somebody's going to not pick Gonzaga as the favorite, I find that hard to believe. Everyone because it's Gonzaga, would, I'm assuming would still pick Gonzaga to be the favorite in the WCC. But I like I like what Coach Pope has put together, and I, I like what uh, I like the way this team could play against a team like Gonzaga. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the Zags shake out. But this we know they'll be at least top 25. Yep. And at most, they'll be top five. That's where they sit. And BYU, we hope, can climb into the top 25. Uh, Multiple lists of preseason teams, none of which have BYU in them, because I think BYU looks more like a uh, linger, longer, break the fast uh, setup than they do... Uh, you know, Ruth's Chris at the moment, right? Which is like, okay, it's kind don't of a hot you, sp- Don't you put down the linger longers. I won't stand for As that. As a starving student, I really enjoyed that at BYU in the singles awards. But this, it, it could be, it could be a, an excellent dinner. It really could. And what's the magic? It's that Mark Pope and this staff blends this team together. Now, we had a group that was mostly familiar with each other last year and senior heavy. To me, that's the... It's not easy, but it's easier to bring that group together than it is this group. So it's a different kind of challenge. And I don't doubt that Mark Pope and staff can get these guys to buy in, uh, to, to prove themselves, get to the NCAA tournament, and maybe even make some noise. I agree with you that they match up better with Gonzaga. That matchup maybe was advantageous that they, Gonzaga was too big. Patrushev didn't play a ton, if I remember. And Timmy, they had to go a little smaller against BYU. And that... Uh, Matt, that was good for BYU. The Cougars will look differently, no doubt, this year. And Gonzaga's going to be awesome. They're still waiting to hear about Corey Kispert and Joel Ayayi, uh, whether they're going to come back. They declared without signing an agent, right? Or I think you can, but then you can Then you return, can, yes, then right? you can come back as long as you they're, haven't. They're still waiting to hear. They're, they're replacing Killian Tilly, uh, a big. Ryan Woolridge. Drew Timmy will become a starter. He's a former five-star. Jalen Suggs is the greatest Recruit that Gonzaga's ever had. He's a top five guy. He's going to Gonzaga. Who's related to former BYU softball player Libby Sugg. Oh, really? No, he's not. Oh, okay. I I was like, what? I thought you saw where I was going with this. No, I did not. (laughs) Um, So, And then they have other guys like Anton Watson, Omar Balu out of Africa, and then a a freshman they like, and Pavel Zakrahov. Gonzaga's going to be Gonzaga. I don't think BYU wins the league. I hope they win the tournament. Um, If they don't, that's still fine. We don't we don't cry about Jimmer's senior year and not having a championship. We just remember the Sweet 16. Um, so does it help BYU's chances? Sure. Maybe yeah. Gonzaga loses one more game. They wouldn't. I don't. I, I just think they're going to dominate this league until Mark Few is gone, and it's okay because let's def- we define the season not by conference championships, but by NCAA tournament and subsequent wins in NCAA tournament. So it's it, it's all good. They re- they've just replaced too many too often. And their development is excellent. For me to think that they wouldn't win the league is a little crazy. Yeah, that's what. I mean, that's I. There's a look in terms of West Coast basketball. The Gonzaga Bulldogs just continue to churn these top prospects, whether they're guys that they signed, you know, to come in as freshmen or transfers that come in from other programs that maybe weren't getting the playing time that they want. They just find guys to come in. And when you think, oh, this, this is the end, this is the year where they're a little down. They've got a guy or two or three that come in and pick up right where the other guys left off. That, that's just the way the program works. It, it, it's honestly, it's a factory right now. It's, a, it's an assembly line. 
That's what I was called when I got to Brazil on my mission. They're like, oh, you're from the factory. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, because, oh, from Utah? Yeah, okay. yeah. That's what they said. Okay. Uh, Gonzaga's good. BYU could still be very good, right? Gonzaga's I, And I, I expect BYU to be very good. Yeah, we, we have high expectations yes. for a uh, new look group, certainly. So we'll see what happens. And hopefully we're playing basketball and have a fullish season. That is the number one takeaway. We hope we're playing basketball. Coming up, rise and shout-outs and engagements. What? And Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five wins versus Pac-12 teams. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, the show also available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. More Delta Top 5 Tuesdays presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Last week, after the Big Ten announcement, it was all about best wins against the Big Ten. So let's do best wins against the Pac-12. I wish there were Utah wins on here. There will be soon. Hopefully. So let's get to it. Top five Tuesday, Jason. All right. Starting off at number five, last year's overtime victory over 24th-ranked USC at home. Ah, we remember it well. Facing the unproven freshman, Keaton Slovis, the Cougars had three total INTs, including the game-winning interception by Diane Gonwoliku in overtime. Zach Wilson also had 280 yards through the air for a score and a touchdown on the ground. Overtime win. You have the fans rushing the field. It was unbelievable. That is gets you in to the top five. Eden Slovis set a Pac-12 record with 71.9% completion percentage. Unbelievable. He, he's one of the top quarterbacks coming back in the country. And USC was coming off an unbelievable start to their season offensively. Yes, they pounded Stanford yes. the week before. And BYU came in and did work. Number four, 2006 Las Vegas Bowl. John Beck and the Cougars won by the largest margin of victory in a bowl game in program history up to that point. 38-8 to eight against number, uh, they were uh, ranked in one poll, 21st despite being 6-6. Six six. Oregon, they had Rose Bowl hopes early in the season. BYU just laid it at the smackdown. This was a completion of an incredible return for BYU's program. John Beck running in for a touchdown. <laughs> Curtis Brown, Johnny Harleen, this is the game. Oh, the one-headed catch. After the Utah game, Manasseh Tonga, what a performance by the Cougs. I was a pair ab on the sideline with one of those little satellite dishes for ESPN. So I could hear everything in the huddle. Uh, not uh, not family-friendly, I'll just tell you that. One of the many Las Vegas Bowl memories for the BYU Cougars. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Our number three comes against UCLA in 2008. You remember this game? <laughs> 59 points. Max Hall threw for 271 yards, and let me just make sure I emphasize this, seven touchdowns. Austin Colley had 110 yards and two touchdowns. Dennis Pitta with two TDs. Harvey Unga had two TDs. Everyone had two Michael TDs. Reed caught a touchdown. Total domination. UCLA totaled nine rushing yards, by the way, in that game. Yes, UCLA had only two more rushing yards than Max Hall had passing touchdowns. Final score, 59 to zip. I believe Norm Chow, former longtime BYU assistant coach and offense coordinator, was on the was the OC for UCLA. I believe you are yeah. correct. So that was a bummer for Norm. Number two. How do you top 59 points? How about scoring 36 points in a quarter? That's what Ty Detmer and the 1990 team did against Washington State the week after the Miami one. People forget about this game. Cougars were down 29-7 at halftime, but the Blue Cougars outscored Wazoo 43-7 in the second half. Thanks to 448 yards and five TDs from Detmer in the game, he ends up winning the Heisman later in the year. And BYU scored 36 points in the fourth quarter alone, which brings us to the stat of the day. 
It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Those 36 points in the fourth quarter were a BYU quarter record until the 2019 season against UMass. BYU scored 42. It could have been 45. BYU missed a field goal at the end of the half. So BYU went into the half really bummed. They had only scored 42. But that was the new school record. And what a performance the week after Miami. 43-7 in the second half. I like scoring 42. I think we should score 42 every game. Total? Not just in a quarter? I'll take 42 in a game. Every quarter. Okay, I'll take that too. Fine. Against UMass. <laughs> sure. That brings us to the best game against the Pac-12. It comes all the way back in 1983. A player you may have heard of, his name is Steve Young, leading the Cougars past UCLA in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Steve uh, Bono of UCLA would go on to have a long career in the NFL. The other quarterback on that roster? Red Canoe. There we go. Threw for 399 yards and three scores, but it was BYU Steve Young that got the last laugh. Young passed for 270 yards and two scores. BYU won 37-35 after a late score by the Bruins. Now, UCLA went on to win the Rose Bowl later that year and finished uh, 17th in the AP poll. Young and the Cougars finished 11-1 and 7th in the final AP poll. That's a great win because BYU beat the Rose Bowl champs. Yes. I mean, that like, how many times can BYU say that? Perhaps only this season? I mean, that was amazing. So, 83. On the 83 Reviewable Show, which is on demand on the BYU TV app, Spencer makes the argument that the 83 team is actually the best ever. You should watch that one. Our question of the day, would you actually want to see Alabama on the BYU football schedule this season? Uh, our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Aaron Karchner on Facebook. Absolutely. They're the barometer by which all college football is measured. Even if BYU loses, you see the gap and where you need to improve. It's a harsh reality that might give coaches some perspective. Bama doesn't have down years like uh, the Michigan States and Wisconsin's of the world. It's a great point. And I think it'd be fun. It'd, uh, it'd make a splash. Hopefully you hang. And then you go from there. You, why, if why you can not? play Alabama, you play Alabama. It's really that simple. I don't want to play Alabama four weeks in a row, but yeah. Okay, today's Rise and Shoutout. Who gets it? Uh, rise and Shoutout, we're going to give it to Lorenzo Fawatea. Uh, a proposal where you can see it uh, on, uh, on TV for watching on BYU TV. Getting down on one knee, proposing in front of the temple. Congratulations. I'm, I'm going to assume she said yes. I think so. Yeah, if yes. she said no, this would be extremely awkward. Extremely awkward. Thanks to today's guest, Gloria Navarez, Commissioner of the West Coast Conference. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use the hashtag BYUSN. Already done. It's been no time for Jason. I'm Jerem. Shout out to Theodore King. See you tomorrow for more BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs! William.